0: This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.
1: If you or a loved one need mental health assistance or are experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline 24-7 on 13 11 14. Hello, folks. Josh here. I'm the guy that pushes the buttons here at FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. And I'm also the guy that's privileged enough to get to be in the room for these incredible and powerful conversations. We just wanted to let you know that today's episode is part one of a two-part interview with the amazing Dale Skinner, with part two out a week from today. So thank you as always to you, the listener, for your continued support, to Bernie and Nadia for having me involved. It's an absolute honor to be part of this project. I'm not sure if I've told them that, so you know now. And if today's episode resonates with you or it may resonate with someone that you care about, please do share this episode around on your social media platforms or in person with your family, friends or colleagues. So that's enough of me. Take it away, Nards. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of FYI, All Things Mental Wellness. Our guest today is passionate about mental health and his long-term involvement with the Black Dog Institute is testimony to that. He is a volunteer presenter, a peer trainer and peer support person and fundraiser for the Institute. Like many, getting heavily involved with such a great cause comes generally from a personal struggle and this was certainly the case with him. When I met him for the first time, I was in awe of his factual account of his personal journey. His willingness to share and help others was truly amazing. He was formally diagnosed with bipolar 2 at the age of 28 after being incorrectly diagnosed with depression at 19. He has had multiple suicide attempts and thank goodness he's here to share his story with us all. I'm still trying to work out how he works full-time, fulfills his duties with Black Dog Institute, be a husband, father and a grandfather and finds time for his other loves of camping, fishing and playing golf. Dale Skinner, welcome to FYI.
2: Thank you. I don't know that uh, there's probably some things that people won't agree with about the husband and father, but that's right. We'll go with that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it strikes me as you're fairly busy.
2: Uh, yeah, I think you've got to be busy, don't you? Yeah. Um, uh, I think a lot, so the more times I'm sitting around doing nothing, the more I'm thinking and yep. when I'm thinking it's not good yep. um, because it's all negative and, and uh, not positive about who I am and what I do, so yeah, it's, you know, and look, ideally I'd love to just do the stuff with the black dog, but that's all voluntary work. and um, you got to make a living. Yeah, so we have to pay the bills and, and all that sort of stuff,
0: so we've got to work. So. Yeah, sure. All right, well, let's jump straight in, shall we? You were diagnosed with what? Uh, initially
2: diagnosed with depression, anxiety at eighteen, yep, and then correctly diagnosed around twenty-eight with bipolar type two. And that is good question. So the main there's two main types of bipolar: bipolar one and bipolar two. So really imaginative names. Uh, <laughs> bipolar two, basically the best way to explain it is bipolar. There's highs and lows. So there's depression and there's mania. Mm-hmm. Bipolar two, the mania is not as high, so right. your behaviour isn't as reckless, it's not as dangerous. People with bipolar one, their mania is often has hallucinations um so is mania when you're downed? No, mania is up right, yep, so when you're manic, okay, so it used to be called manic depression, yeah, mm-hmm. um, so that's what bipolar used to be called manic depression so yeah the 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 highs in bipolar aren't as high. Now that's good in respect that your behaviours, as I said, not not real dangerous. It's, mm-hmm. You're annoying. You're like a two-year-old kid. Um, you want to be the centre of attention. You know, the good thing about it is my dad jokes are even funnier um, when I'm. But <laughs> in your own head? Yeah, Oh, sure. <laughs> um, but you just you, you, your mind's going 100 100 mile an hour. You got all these ideas. I got heaps of energy, which was great when I was playing sport. Yep. Uh, heaps of energy. The downside of it is that because it feels so great and it's not really damaging, you don't talk to the doctors about it. Right. eh? So it's quite commonly misdiagnosed as depression. When I was diagnosed, the doctor told me the average time span between initial diagnosis of depression and correct diagnosis of bipolar was 15 years. I believe it's about six or eight now, um, which is good, but people aren't getting treated correctly. You know they're getting medicated for depression or they're getting therapies for depression, but not for not for the mania, not for the for the bipolar so 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 how is that a bad thing Oh because it can increase uh, increase suicidal thoughts you know it's like any illness you know if you're only getting treated for half the illness, mm. you're not getting treated for the full illness mm. um, so and and because some people with bipolar are more depressive, some are more manic so yeah um you're not treating the whole in- illness, so. Sure. Mean, but I suppose
0: then, uh, not in defence of anybody, but to get a correct diagnosis, you'd have to be seen multiple times at multiple opportunities with multiple levels in your life to have any concept of of how you fit it into, dare I say, it, the box.
2: Yeah, that's right, and you're dead right, and 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 I and that was part of the reason. That was, I suppose, my sole reason for for wanting to talk about my story because. Unless we tell people that yep. when you go to the doctor, you have to talk about your highs, your lows, your, your appetite, your, you know, your sex drive, your, all your moods, your work, everything, your ideas for the future. If you don't talk about all of that, you know, the doctors can't make the best diagnosis. No, and they, so, and they want
0: to help you in the future. That's right. So to give them as much information as possible is the right thing. And I think that's a fair call, because especially as a bloke, if I go to the doctor very bloody rarely, because yep. unless it's I'm bleeding to death, why would I <laughs> and go? You've, you've
2: stacked everything or,
0: up, or I can't. F- yeah, or you've stacked everything <laughs> up, correct? And then they'll say, "So, anything else I can help you with?" Nah, mate, you fixed that. I'm good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, see you later. Quicker yeah. I can get the hell out of there, the better. Oh yeah. So yeah. that is an education process. There's no doubt.
2: And and the process, the actual process of seeing a GP is actually improved. Like, Years ago, you know, it would be the series of 10 questions and, you know, you get a score out of that 10 questions and and that's it, you're you're depressed or you're not. Hmm. Their questioning is a lot better now. They know to ask, you know, about all your moods and and I always recommend that you take someone with you um, Mm. because once you take someone with you and and you, you talked about going to the GP, I mean, imagine, you know, having a mental illness and stressing over it for, you know, let's just say a short period of time in 12 months and you finally work up the courage to go and see a GP, basically you just blurt out everything because you're prepared and you just blurt everything out and the GP then gives you some advice or says something and you you don't listen because you're just, you know, it's you're just deflated in a good way because you've got everything out. So I I strongly urge anyone, if it's a complicated thing, and it doesn't have to be mental health, if it's a complicated matter, take someone with you because, you know, not only can they help, you know, you know, reconstruct what the doctor said. But in the case of mental health, they can help you on your recovery journey. Yeah.
0: Mm. Well, if they're hearing the same story- Yeah. And you're right. Retention is a big thing. Mm-hmm. When you've, oh, you're anxious enough when you go and talk to the doctor um, about a problem, yeah. no matter what that might be, you, often then you don't retain all of the information mm. that's coming back at you. Yeah. You know, take this three times a day. Well, okay. Mm. Yeah. With food.
1: Yeah. oh that's Maybe. right yeah. yeah
0: you know oh, no no that's just a, a very brief analogy of it but you don't take it all in mm.
1: i like well it was it was refreshing to hear that um the process in the diagnosis with the questions has improved yeah, and, yeah. and by the sounds of it, um more questions are asked how do you get diagnosed with bipolar whether it's bipolar one or bipolar two you know is it just a series of
2: questions um Yes and no. It was. It's a series of questions, but it was a series of questions I kept asking myself. And this probably answers the question again as the importance of being correct, correctly medicated in that. So I was diagnosed with depression and, like most people, ignored the first diagnosis, thought, you know, yeah, okay, that's I'm a bit depressed, you know, we'll, we'll chin up and, you know, mm. we'll work through it. And then so not long after that diagnosis, had a suicide attempt, it kind of shook me up a little bit, you know, kind of said, oh, hang on, you know there could be something serious here. and it's probably it was about four years after the first diagnosis that I went back and and seen the doctors again. And so that's they diagnosed me with depression again and mild anxiety. And then so I sort of I sort of then had to take a look and say, okay, there could be something wrong here. I still didn't know a lot about it. So I started doing my own research and you know looking at stuff and and um, I listened to a, a talk someone did, and, and they talked about knowing yourself, and it like it seemed a bit bit crap to me. It sounded a little bit airy fairy. Um, but I thought, oh well, let's give it a crack. It can't hurt. And so it wasn't a diary as such, but I just wrote down my moods and stuff for a couple of weeks, and and realised that I was fluctuating. And then, okay, no. So I just started doing some research and found out about this this bipolar thing, didn't know anything about bipolar one and two, just bipolar, how mm-hmm. your, your highs and lows. And, um, well, it's not me because I'm not really dangerous. Uh, my behaviour's not, you know, reckless or anything mm-hmm. like that. You know, I was, at, uh, I was, you know, in my mid-20s, so I was doing the things that blokes do in their mid-20s. mid-20s blokes uh, are a Which makes reckless. <laughs> and, um, you know, I wasn't doing anything that none of my mates seemed to be doing. So, and i just moved uh, at that time and, and I thought, well, you know, let's go to a new doctor and, and you know, let's just say what you think. So I went to this doctor and said, Oh and I'd I'd pre researched this um this gentleman in Melbourne that was a professor and, and he was, you know, really highly regarded and so I went into the doctor and said, Look, you know, this is what I think it is. I want to go and see this bike. I'd never seen this GP and, and the GPs looked at me really strange because people don't go in, you know, say, I wanna see this professor. Mm. But he just said, "Yeah, no worries." And um, so, two weeks later, I was sitting in Melbourne, and within I, was, I spoke to this guy for about ten minutes, and he asked me three questions, and I wish I could remember what they were. So, after about yeah, twenty minutes, he said, "You've got bipolar type 2. And he said, "This is what happens. You do this. You do this. You do that. And this is what happens." And you know, and I've just I was just blown away. He told you yeah, he what told you were me, doing. He told me about you. my life. He told me my mm. symptoms. Um
0: and I was just blown away. So you were what? 26? Uh 28. Twenty-eight. Yeah. So take me back a little bit. This is all hindsight now that you're looking yeah, back onto this, yeah. right? So that's that's and that's cool that you can do that. But when you were 18 to 28, you were clearly fairly in tune with your own self. I mean, you're in in a world of self-discovery at that point. So you're trying to roll through your um, own. Who am I? What am I? How do I work? Not really. Not everyone it, seems to do that, Not though. really.
2: It was, no? no? it was more of a why am I? Okay. Or what am I? Yeah, I was self-in-tune, and, and I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing because I was so in-tune with myself. I knew that I was wrong. Yep. I knew that I was damaged. I knew that I wasn't right. I mm-hmm. knew that, you know, I, I, there was just something seriously wrong with me and that I shouldn't be on the planet because- you know what was wrong with me was just you know people aren't just just aren't like that. What 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 do you mean? What, what oh, do you shame. mean people just aren't well, like that? Just my thoughts—they're always negative. You so know.
0: just that you felt like you didn't fit in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, I you, just, you, you know, weren't as good as no, your mates. You no, nah, were-
2: nowhere near. I wasn't good as my mates. You know, my brother was a talented sports person, You know, so you know you always compete with your older brother. Of course, it doesn't yep. matter what. But, yeah, it was just- Unless you are the older brother. Yeah, yeah, or, you know, you're
0: always competing with- Then you find somebody else. that's right. So I am the older brother, Yeah, okay, yeah. So I was always competing with somebody else. Yeah, yeah. So there's always competition. So you're right, yeah.
2: Yeah, but I was basically just competing, you know, with myself, basically. I just felt guilt. Like, we were a really proud family. My father went to war. Mum grew up in an orphanage. We were in a small town initially. I grew up in a very small town- my dad was really well-known and popular. My brother was obviously well-known and popular. You know, so where's that? Where'd you grow up? In Seymour. Right. Yep. yep. So we spent a lot of time in Seymour and dad was in the army, so, you know, you will see all that, Eric.
0: Yeah, and I could just... Did so travel a lot with dad, being in the army? Yeah, a lot. Not a lot. So you weren't always based in Seymour, or you? No,
2: no, Seymour, we spent some time in Darwin, spent some time
0: in Sydney. Yeah, righto. Um, so did, was that, did that contribute, do you reckon? To your, I don't fit in the world because you did bounce around a bit. I mean, I'm no, guessing schools and all that sort I of stuff. I think
2: it. I think for me, because I always had, you know, I, I can think back to really, really young where yeah, I had, okay. you know, pre-ordinary thoughts. So I think it worked in my favour yeah, because right. you know, if we're in a in a one place too long, people might get to know me. Mm. You know, and that's how I was at school. You know, it was almost like I had a backpack carrying with me, and I just had, you know. 15 masks and and I'd just move from group to group put a different mask on talk the talk that they you know it was with the basketball crew or the football crew or the you know chess club or you know mm-hmm. the, the you know whatever whatever group it was I'd just go from group to group and talk the talk and just hide everything that I was
1: Can you just go back there for a minute Dale do you remember what those symptoms were that the professor thought
2: up it was basically brought up. Yeah, sorry, it was basically the highs and the lows and the, the uncontrollable and and not knowing why you're depressed or but why you're depressed one day and then you're uncontrollably happy the next. Yeah, and that was the big thing for me. I, you know, and like if I think about now and I like mum and dad probably laugh a bit about it now. Like it would have driven them insane. You know, they've got you know, and even like dad's saying it's even sort of when I was five and six. You know, go back there and, and you know, you've got your son, you know, up to sort of mid-teens, you know, just absolutely miserable. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a parent, you want to know what's wrong with your children when they're – and, like, it, it's mm. not like a, you know, go away teenage, you know, thing. They could tell in my eyes that I was bitterly depressed, mm. you know, and a lot of the times I couldn't move, you know, I didn't eat and and – and you know, so it was physical as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, depression so, is physical, not just emotional. Yeah.
1: So, would you say you know your your own diagnosis of of your bipolar too? How, how do you think it came about? What was it a circumstantial thing? Do you think it's it was a genetic thing? Do you <laughs> look? No idea. I'm always
2: interested yeah. to know how look, the person. Yeah, and, and I mean, I, in the presentations that I do with Black Dog, we we do yeah. talk about you know how and. And, you know, genetics and, you know, obviously alcohol and drug abuse, um, you know, brain injury, you know, and they don't know why. Like every test I've had, they've said, you've had it all your life. Um, Yeah, right. You know, I wasn't, we talk about big brothers again, saying, you know, kids were dropped on their heads as babies and and, Mm. um, so mum and dad assure me that wasn't the case. And, and, you know, mum didn't drink or smoke when she was carrying me. Mum and dad are still together. I didn't get beaten up as a kid. There's nothing, you know, yeah, in old you stereotype pinpoint. or that, you know, people that don't necessarily understand mental health, there's nothing in my background that would say, you know, this is why yeah. he's got it. Yeah. So, it, and look, I could spend a lot of time, you know, going and researching, you know, maybe, you know, 15th generation back, you know, mm. my family had a mental health issue, but what they had is irrelevant. You oh, know. I'm the one that now. I've got to be careful, yep. not be careful, but I've got to be aware of my daughter. Uh, yeah, that's right. You know, and make sure that I can't prevent her from getting a mental illness, no. but I can give her the tools to deal with it and give her the confidence to be able to talk about it yep. um, you know, and be comfortable because if I was her age, if I spoke about it when I was her age, then geez, my life would have been a hell of a lot easier. That's right and and
1: that's <laughs> that's what I guess we're all here for yeah. isn't it you know to change change yep. the old ways mm. and absolutely how lucky is she mm. to have a father that's not so much a father diagnosed with bipolar type 2 I don't wish that upon anyone mm. but you know the silver lining there is for her yeah. that that she's well educated in in the field of, of mental health. Mm. Um and you know, her age again is she's in that game changer age. So
0: does yep. it work for you now, mate, day to day? So you're medicated? Yeah yeah,
2: yeah. 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 Um
0: So what does that what does that mean? I don't understand what medicated means.
2: Um so medicated basically if you think of a plane that the pilot's gone to the toilet and then the pilot come back. hmm And they take control of the plane again?
0: Shithouse when he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, on.
2: you know, that that's basically, you know, uh, there's <laughs> but but is that – sorry, but he, but is that a daily up and down or is oh, like – Yeah, look, uh, once again, you know, it can be different for everyone. The whole idea of bipolar medication is to level people out, so mm. to try and prevent those highs and lows. You'll never prevent it. The only way you can prevent it is basically making someone a complete zombie. No, no one wants to do that. Medication is different for everyone and, you know – Medication for me, it works. Yeah, yeah. It works mm. in terms of the fact that I can function. I yeah. can work a, a
0: full time job, you know, yeah. and do other stuff and have a valid conversation with people. Keep a train of yeah. thought. Yeah,
2: you know, I'm not, I'm not, you know, fully functional by any stretch of the man- imagination. But I give people the perception I am, you know, and that.
0: So do I, and I'm not on medication.
2: <laughs> that's mm. the, and, that's I, and I mean that yeah. most honestly. <laughs> and, I mean, and that's what you can do. Like, there's no point in me walking around and talking about my mental illness every second of the day because I'm not going to have any friends. People will just get sick of it. Of course. So, you know, and, and I talk to people now and they say, oh, you know, we wouldn't have thought you had a mental illness. And uh, you know, well, that's good. Um, yeah, absolutely yeah, it's in, good. In, in, in some respects. My problem is that I probably do that too much. Mm. So, you know, people now are probably just – and because I am – you know, understand it and, and educated well in it, I suppose, um, people probably think he'll be right. You yeah. know, he's got it all under control. Yes. Um, you know, and I don't. You know, I'm the first to admit that I don't. You can be well-educated in something. You can be
1: highly educated in something. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you don't ever break or have, no.
2: have no, lows. You know, and the, the, you know, some of the leaders in mental health in the world have got mental illness. Correct. You know, it doesn't, you know, it, it will... Attack anyone, so yeah.
0: But it's- the very reason they're leaders in their field mm. is because they're in tune with their field, and they've done what you've done. That's right. They've researched, they've educated themselves, yeah. and they want to then take that education and research and help other people to yeah. make their world a better place. Yeah,
1: yeah. And they're quite often the best in their field too. That's just my own personal opinion, but,
2: but with you know, medication- I, I think.
1: I think if you've got that, if you've been diagnosed with something as as you have, you've embraced it, you've, you've searched for help, you've gone on meds, you've seeked the assistance that you need, and now you've set about trying to help others. Yeah, look- I think a lot of the time, whether you are doing something on a voluntary basis like you are, or whether you do become a psychologist, psychiatrist- you know a, a help as some sort of a social worker, I think quite often they're they're, they're the point of difference in their yeah. field.
2: Uh, look, I mean the medication thing, and one thing that I will say and one thing that still happens and will happen forever and a day, is people need to understand that when they're given medication they're given it to them for a reason, and when it works, stay on it. Mm, good advice. so many people are you
0: suggesting it? that when you don't follow the program that you fall into the depths well, that you don't want you know, to be
2: in. So many people get medication, they take it. Most medication doctors will take six to eight weeks. Okay. So about that two month time, two month to three months, they start feeling really good. I'm cured. No mm-hmm. more medication. Mm. You know? And it happens time and time and time again. And then what happens is they fall off the cliff again. They then take twice as much as medication because they take what they didn't take and what oh, they need yeah. to take Righto. and they end up really, really crook. You know, uh, if you give them medication you start to feel better, that's great because that means the medications work. Uh, yep. You're not cured, you know, and the argument around mental health and a cure and all that sort of stuff and recovery, the term recovery is debated, you know, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um you know, because I don't think you ever recover from well, I'll never recover from from bipolar that's that's for sure but in in terms of you know talking about uh, and being self aware, I know what's going to happen if I don't. yep, you know i I know the result. if I stop taking my medication, I know what what the result will be within mm-hmm. you know a week.
1: Do you reckon, Dale, that you know taking a tablet, say so I know you can only ever speak for yourself. But, you know, is taking your medication for bipolar enough? Is
2: that what no, keeps no. you on the straight and narrow? No, it's no, not. No, look, it's, you know, I mean, it's it's like anything. It's recovering from anything or having- It takes work. Having of else, yeah, it takes work. You know, it's not just a matter of- And look, I'm, I'm no angel in the terms of, you know, I don't exercise enough, you know, so what i should you know i've been really struggling with with motivation some of that's because mm-hmm. of my illness some of that's for other reasons you know things like diet um you know I'm, I'm not you know i'm not really a big eater as such i just eat when i'm hungry and eat what's there I i'm not mm. you know, i'm not really a cook a, a nice meal and eat healthy food um, so, so obviously, for mental health or for yeah, your yeah. type of mental health problem, dietary—I mean, look, it's anything. It's, it's know, for everything. For our body believe, and yeah. our mind to function well, we've got to exercise, yep. we've got to eat well, and we've yep. got to get sleep. Yeah, you know, you're told that from when you're in preschool.
0: Correct, yep. and, and it doesn't matter. You know, they're really important when it comes to mental health as well. Mm. Yeah, but when we're adults, we're bulletproof and we can do whatever we want.
2: Yeah. Mm.
0: And that that is the problem,
2: Apparently. It? Yeah, look it's yeah. you know, and it's all look, you know, how many times you've heard, Oh, you know, I haven't got the time, oh, you know, I'm too busy I've got to do this for the kids or mm. gotta do this or I mean there's always an excuse and that's you know, that's every human's got that superpower to find mm. another reason to do what we either don't want to I do. I think or- that
1: that's what comes more natural to the person is is to deflect and put off but as we know through um you know through our research with the resilience project is you know it doesn't take long to change those oh, no. those positive thoughts um and and to set up a bit of a um a routine or getting into a structure
2: yeah. to improve those sorts. Yeah, of... look it's it's easier for some than it is for others. Oh
1: absolutely. Yeah there's there's a lot of variables. I, I guess I wanna know um, and oh, it is a sensitive subject, and and I do respect that. But when you did attempt, were you on medication? Were you formally diagnosed?
2: Um, okay, yeah, a bit so of both. just a, bad yeah, a bit patch of both. Yeah, bit of both. Um, the first two times I wasn't diagnosed. Okay. Oh, all uh, well, that was the first one was before I was diagnosed the first time, and then. After I was diagnosed the first time, that was the second attempt. Okay, so with depression or like with Ill, depression, Ill, anxiety. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay, so, so
1: ill diagnosed.
2: Yeah. So the first time was about fourteen, fifteen, and then yeah, diagnosed eighteen, nineteen. I think it was. It wasn't long after my twenty-first birthday, actually, and uh, and then sort of. So then, probably I think there was another one then, and then there's been two since the diagnosis of bipolar. The most recent was. 2000, I'm going to say 2019, mm. I think. And it was just, yeah, look, it just – and this is the thing that I suppose that people find it hard to understand and, you know, you try and explain a broken leg to someone and they can't understand it unless they've had a broken leg. It's the same thing, that my mind just went dark, everything was negative, there was no reason, nothing happened. Yeah, you know, everything. Nothing had changed dramatically in my life. Uh, I just became really, really depressed. Constant negative thoughts. What's the point? Why am I here? You know, ever it's going to be so much easier. And and people do worry about you, and you hear the worry, and it's you know, look, all I'm doing is I'm inconveniencing people. You know, and, and that mm-hmm. was, you know, and, and that's often not the th- final thought because it's really hard to gather what that final thought was because, you know, you, you're in a real pit of depression by that stage. But,
1: you know, what What, what astounds me is you're talking about 2019. You are a very clever man in, in this field. You are very highly educated in your condition and in mental health. Could
2: you not see that trigger? No. Nah, not okay. always. I mean, sometimes you can and and... and you know, and I spoke before about people looking at me and thinking, you know, oh, yeah, he's fine, he's You've fine. He's got it together. After you know, when I was sitting in the side court and and we're talking and, and talking to the nurse about it and and um, and sort of we got talking, and she sort of picked up that I had a bit of a grasp about what's going on, and and I sort of said to her, you know, I just I'm trying to remember the words. It was something around that that I just forgot. Mm. You know, I forgot that I had a mental illness and I forgot that when this happens, I need to do this, this, and this. I just forgot. Or, you know, whether it was a matter of, and it's happened before, whether it was a matter of I intentionally forget because I just don't want to deal with it anymore. And sometimes, you know, it can be that, you know, as much as you're educated and as much Mm. as you're on medication you know the brain you know is the brain and if it wants to be really really depressed it's going to be really really depressed mm. and you know my thoughts were that you know i've i've dealt with this for so long and i was tired and i didn't want to fight it anymore i didn't want to i didn't want my daughter to grow up with a father that can't function and because Everything for me is compounded. I can't function, I'm hopeless, I can't do all this. I didn't want my daughter to grow up like that. She had a, a stepfather at the time, uh, so I thought, well, she's you know, she's got a father figure in her life, so that's great. She'll be fine, you know, she'll get over it, you know. And you think, you know, things like, oh, you know, my wife will get my life insurance and my super, so you know, she'll be able to you know, buy a house and start again, and you know. Um, you know, mum and dad will, you know, it'll, mum and dad can then give everything to my brother. Then I have to worry about trying to decide. So you rationalize everything. You know, the depressive mind, it's amazing the things that it can rationalize and seem like perfect sense. And that's what it was. And then, you know, half an hour later, um, I'm in the hospital.
0: This episode was edited by Deadset Podcasting. If you want your podcast to sound this good, check out deadsetpodcasting.com forward slash services. Get the sound you're chasing.